in a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Tusik. It's fun to be back on the mic, if you haven't noticed. I took the month of August off after a much-needed break. It turns out gap year life is really exciting, and it's hard to get on the mic and schedule time to have quiet space to record, and the amount of time needed to edit and to publish these podcasts became a little bit overwhelming while we were in Alaska, partially because we had so much time off-grid, and... It was this unpredictable time. So I realized, you know, this gap year life was designed for us. And I want to model what I preach by encouraging you to take breaks as well. So we blocked off the month of August and we are enjoying shoulder season. So on this episode, I actually am revealing all of my family members' names. Uh, My husband and my three kids decided, Mom, just call us by our name. It's so much easier. They were okay with that. We have kicked off our next grades, so even though we had been homeschooling year-round, we officially turned the clock and are in the next grade, so that is a little bit about what we'll talk about today. Some of the things that are going well, some of the things that have been hard, and there certainly have been hard moments. I also wanted to take just a brief opportunity to update you on the podcast, so the podcast is still going to keep going. I have considered whether we keep going now that we're on gap year and where to go with it, But it is going to keep going. I've met so many fascinating people, and the intent all along was to really interview ordinary people doing interesting things and exploring adventures in different ways. So we have met a ton of very fascinating people on this journey, which had always been my hope. I wanted to connect with other families to better understand how could we do life differently as a family instead of traditional mainstream expectations. And that has, I think, been accomplished. And it's been really fun to think about who else could I expose you to? And these aren't all content creators. These are individuals just doing life differently. So I'm pretty excited. I am going to go into a season format. So we are officially kicking off. This is episode 125. We're officially kicking off season six. So we'll do seasons of 25 episodes. After each season, we might do a couple highlights or refresh or best of episodes like we did this summer just to keep you in the loop because I know it's hard to stay in touch and follow up on every single episode. But in case you missed a few in the last 125, I'll try to highlight some of the favorites as well as keep going. You know, we are excited. We're thinking about what comes after our gap year. I also know many of you have been following our journey. I am not posting or sharing much in real time. I think one of my learnings early on was that I had a lot of expectations and thoughts around what I could do with Ordinary Sherpa, and it quickly became work. And my goal was not necessarily to leave my job and replace it with work. We have decided to scale all of that back. I have actually launched a new business in the field that I was previously in, which was in philanthropy, and currently networking and exploring what our next professional careers look like, if that 
is how things end up going. Testing entrepreneurial life for both my husband and I has also been a very fun journey. So I'll keep all of those things in the loop and in mind. I have a lot of notes. I've kept a pretty rigorous journal of this process. I have roughly 8,000 pictures. So you also can attest to how overwhelming it is to think about what do I share today. And that is all in the works. There are a lot of things coming that I'm excited about that I'm making space for. We are slowing down a little bit and we'll be spending October and November quietly making our way back to the Midwest while we continue homeschooling and gap your life and exploring what does winter and spring look like for next year. Also, thinking about how do we make our home the destination of choice as we've traveled now for nine months almost. We've obviously have learned a lot and things have been revealed to us. Some things have been unmasked. Some things haven't been missed. Other things have been. So all of that is still in the works and I'm excited to share all of that with you. Today's episode probably won't happen again. I thought it would be convenient to just interview all of my family members at the same time and have a conversation. It turned out to be very challenging. So this is probably the last time you'll hear all of us in one episode, but I hope you enjoy it. Here is a little update from Gap Your Life from my husband and three kids. At the end, I'll give you a little brief takeaway from my perspective and we'll officially kick off season six of the Ordinary Sherpa podcast. And with that, I would like to introduce Brent, Caleb, LMA, and Micah. Thank you. I know you've been along for the ride. We've been on a pretty fantastic gap year. I won't say it's all been easy. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But to kick things off, I'd like to ask you guys a couple of questions. We're going to pass the mic around, and I'll call on each of you so you know who's next and hear your perspective on what gap your life has been like. So with that. So this question is going to be for all of you. Let's start with you, Micah. We're almost nine months into travel. And today was the first day of school for most of your friends. Can you tell me what your day was like today? Do you want LMA to go first? Yeah. Okay. LMA, tell me more about what your day was like. What was the first day of school like for you today? Well, I did some homework in the morning, and then we went swimming, so I think it was, like, really fun. I always think first day of school is really fun because you get to meet your, like, teachers and your classmates. You know most of us and your teachers, don't you? Yeah. Caleb, do you want to answer? What was your first day of school like today? Uh, Interesting. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, it doesn't feel like the first day of school because we're not at the classroom at all. Like, we didn't do as much as I felt like I should have. Yeah. Do you do a lot of homework on the first day of school? Mm, mostly just getting to know our, like, teachers and stuff. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Micah? First day of school. How did it feel today? What were some of the things you did today? About first day of school is that you don't have to wake up really early in the morning. Mm. You get to, like, sleep in. You don't really have to, like, you don't have to do it, like, again and again and again and again. Like, it's not, like math, reading, and then science or anything. It's like you get to have a break whenever you want to. Yeah. Is that pretty cool? Yeah. Yeah. We get to sleep in. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from the gap year. How about you, Brent? You were a former teacher. I know this isn't necessarily your first day of school because you didn't go to school last year, but what was first day of school like for you in the past as a parent, maybe as a teacher, if you want to answer that too, and how did that compare to today? 
Well, I'd say the first day of school went pretty smoothly <laughs> as compared to other years. It seems like <laughs> um, the rat race of getting everybody out the door and making sure lunches were packed and everyone had what they needed for the day as well as myself going back. Just being on the road and first day of school was a little bit different because we knew that basically the whole Myself, it was kind of weird just seeing all the pictures from everyone going back to school and all my former coworkers going back to school and saying, oh, they're going back and, and I'm not. So it was kind of weird, but also it's pretty fun to, to see that and be with the family on the first day of school and actually be with them. Yeah, there were a few things I had to keep. We've been schooling really informally throughout the summer, but today we decided that's the official first day for all of their new grades. So we have a third grader, a sixth grader, and an eighth grader. I think one of the questions we get asked most often is, do you have a favorite place? So I'm going to ask each of you, we'll start with you, Brent. I know that's really hard because we travel fast and we've been to a lot of different places, but are there two or three different places that stand out to you and why? I think that's a tough question just to pick a few. For me, it's kind of been chunked up into the seasons that we've went through traveling. So I'm going to kind of go through it in that aspect because I think all of them are, are so different. And to pick a couple of just my favorite spots, going the order that we left in. My favorite spot was to go to the skiing area was probably Powder Mountain was probably my highlight of the winter season just because we had some fresh snow and got to see the kids out skiing in probably the most snow that they've ever skied in as well as myself. So that's probably one of my highlights. And then as well, probably the hot springs that we went to shortly after that. That was pretty cool. For our winter travels, spring East Coast would probably be, probably would say Maine was probably my highlight. I think just the, probably because it was similar to home and it reminded me a little bit of Alaska as well. A lot of just wilderness and really neat, I don't know, topography and just different cool stuff. I, I think the blueberries out in Maine, I don't know why, but that was kind of cool how they grow them out there and just seeing that and the coast out there and how kind of rugged it was along the shoreline. So those were just kind of some highlights for me. And then probably summer was on our way to Alaska, I think through Canada was pretty neat. The Kluwani National Park was pretty neat mm-hmm. there and then probably... In Alaska, probably my top place. Gosh, hmm. there's just so much, right? Too much. Too much. I would say probably just the the people we met and, and really the people that we stayed with made a lot of those places. And those are the places I really look back to and, and think of all the, the good times that we had with them and, and what made it special. I mean, I think of Homer and, and our family that we saw at Talkeetna seeing family there Fairbanks was was another neat place where we met that family and hung with them. You know, those were some neat places as well as Palmer um, was another awesome place. There, God, those were some neat places. And as well now kind of coming down the, the West Coast is pretty cool too. Um, a lot of different places. I have to maybe come back to the summer one yet. <laughs> okay. In light of that, let's maybe hand the mic off to Caleb because I feel like you're going to give out the entire itinerary if we don't cut you off. So Caleb, can you share two or three different places that stand out in your mind? Like when people ask you, what are some of your favorite stops or places you've been? I'm going to start off with winter because that was kind of like when we started. Probably back to Powder Mountain. That was probably the best skiing I've ever done and probably ever will be in. It was a lot harder than you think. It was so deep and there was just Mm -hmm. falling over was yet very fun, but also a very nice workout getting out. 
and getting back going again because on a regular hill that's groomed, you fall over, it might hurt, you get up and you can just go right away and, and like pull. Here you just like try to stand on your feet and then try to go and you stick your pole on the ground and it goes all the way up to your arm. Yeah. And for reference, at Powder Mountain, we had like major powder. So Powder Mountain is in Utah. We had what, 34 inches of fresh powder? 34 inches in 48 hours. Yeah. So pretty intense. Okay. Did you have a spring or summer spot in particular that stands out? Spring was probably, I think, Pittsburgh. I fished there for a little bit at a state park. I think it was McConnell Mills State Park. Mm-hmm. which is very fun for uh, rainbow and brown trout. Kind of a learning experience, still kind of getting hang of fly fishing. And then we went to a the Wheel Mill Bike Park, which was my first indoor bike park that I've been in, which they are nice, but I kind of like the open outside, not all crammed together spot. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then probably Alaska would be... I don't know. There's been a lot of good fishing in Alaska. I did my first guide on the Kasilof River for salmon, for sockeye salmon, which was a different technique, if you will, of fishing. Caleb, why don't we pause? Because I'll come back to you and ask specifically about the fishing. So we could just say fishing in Alaska if you want for now. And then I'll come back to you and ask you more specifically about what you've caught and a little bit more about that. Okay. Right. LMA, how about you? What was, you know, if you're saying two or three different spots that stand out for you, what have been some of those things that you'll, that you remember or that are really fond places? Well, I remember like going through Canada and Golden and Jasper. Those two were really fun. They had like a park in golden a bike park and then in jasper they had a cool like little creek and then we found this wooden teepee a little down the creek and then um there was a bunch of elk in that so it was a little bit of an adventure (laughs) escaping from the elk Yes, we had a good conversation prior to that, that, you know, you need to stay away from wild animals. If they start coming up to you, you want to get out of there. And that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you have a favorite spot in Alaska? Um, There's just a lot because we were like in so many places. Yeah. And we actually got to know people there. Mm-hmm. So Telkeetna was really fun, really touristy. But it was fun, though. Uh, there was, like, a playground that we could play at, a big wooden one. We really mm-hmm. liked that one. We played a tag with a couple different people because we kept on coming back to tell Keaton. Yeah. And I'm going to come back to you in a second and ask about some of the libraries you visited this summer, okay? Okay. How about Micah? Can you take the mic and tell me two or three different places that really stand out so far on this year of travel that you would share as maybe some of your favorite? I think, I don't really remember the states really well, but... (laughs) Um, That's fair. We've been to a lot of them. I think it was some place of me said... We were at this little creek, and we were at a campsite, and we saw this 
we go there two times, and one time Caleb saw this creek, and me and May went to go check it out, and there's logs laid out. They're all stacked up, and she has fun to, like, play on them. And then the other time, it's just that it was not really cool anymore because there was a whole bunch of seed and that stuff. And then I wanted to go check somewhere else. Down a little bit farther, and I saw a teepee, and I found some weapons, like chirping sticks, and then... Mm. I found a campfire, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So are you talking about the campsite and the surrounding areas in Jasper where you were across the street from where we were camping over by the creek? Is that where you're referring to? Yeah, but the the first time we were right on the site. Yeah. So we went back to visit that site. That's still one you remembered from last year, too. Is there another spot? Or another memory that really stands out as like one of your favorite things that you've done? I should tell one more. Sandboarding. Oh, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> That's from a couple years ago. We're going back. No, we have done it. We have done it. It's just that it have been way long ago. Oh, okay. So not necessarily from this year, but something we'll be doing in the future. So Micah, I'm going to come back to you just a little bit. You're going to give me an update on some of the best ice cream. So where we were or one of the places that you want to tell us that you think is the best ice cream. But first, I'm going to go to Caleb. So you want to hand the mic over to Caleb? And I want to hear a little bit of some of the highlights in terms of fishing. How's the fishing been? What have you fished for? What have you caught? Give me a little bit of an update on how your fishing has progressed. So fishing-wise, I've been able to explore the world of fly fishing, really been able to like dig deep. Let's see, I've caught For trout on a fly rod, I have caught brook trout, brown trout, and rainbow trout. And then another fish called a dolly varden, which is like a rainbow trout and a brook trout combined. And then another fish, which is also referred to as the sailfish of the north, is the grayling, which I have found to be probably my favorite fish on a fly rod to catch so far. They fight very well compared to their size. They kind of fight like a bass if you've ever caught one of those, but smaller. And there's been some good spots that I've really liked. One of them for grayling was on the Glukanik River, which was, I think it was, it was in Western Alaska. Just kidding. Eastern Alaska. Eastern Alaska, whatever. (laughs) We kind of went out there on a whim because it looked good for fishing. And I just had tennis shoes on, a fly rod, my fly box, and a net. Get down there, find this spot that looked castable, deeper, but very fast and choppy, which to me, fishing from Wisconsin, kind of fishing on lakes, kind of calm rivers, not much rapid fishing, was kind of interesting because it was like the first time I could like really take the knowledge from the many books I've read of like, look for the down tree, look for the deep holes. And I just put on a dry fly, threw it in the middle and kind of lost it because it was very small and it was very choppy. And I saw this big splash, which was not, and I went to go cast again and I had a fish on, which (laughs) was, yeah, it was the biggest grayling I've probably caught. And I reeled it in. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's a grayling. I kind of looked around and 
I noticed that the sockeyes were actually coming up the river and that they'd the grayling were just like right in where the sockeyes were. Like if you cast where the sockeyes were, drift over it and you got a fish on. I caught I think eleven that day with two wet shoes and socks. And that was one of my favorite spots. And then I also had my first guided fly fishing experience on the Kasilov River, kind of down by Homer. It was about a half an hour boat ride from where we put in. Got to this gravel bar, and he showed us how to do it. We took our fly rods out, put the length of the line as much as the rod, stood about halfway to her knees deep in water, flipped it out there, counted the five seconds, and like set the hook pretty much which was very interesting, but we still got our limit. It was fun, different version of fly fishing, and plenty of salmon to eat. Yeah, man. You had one monster that I feel like needs to be told. us. There was It wasn't oh, yeah. fly fishing, though. It was not fly it was fishing. early in the Alaska trip. Do you want to tell a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so early in the Alaska trip in Telkeetna, we went there in previous years when we've taken a trip to Alaska, and it was very low and very clear. To me, I can't put in my head that they're the same rivers, <laughs> minus the one grate that you stand on usually to fish. This year, it was on the Sunshine Creek out of Telkeetna. We were fishing. It was cloudier, and I put on this orangish-red spoon. I caught a jack earlier, which is just a smaller king salmon. It was so new to us, we really have no idea what we were doing, and put a spoon on fish for salmon. There was not many catching of fish that day for how many people were there and how many salmon were going through. They were actually rising, which I have no idea why. Towards the end of our the time fishing, this monster king salmon came up and took my spoon, and we had not the right setup for salmon. I had a medium heavy rod and 10 pound tests on the rod and probably battling a 40 pound salmon probably it was big and hooked it and it just took off (laughs) which i'm surprised for that big of a salmon it did not go further first i set the hook and it ran upstream i'm like making sure my rod doesn't snap tightening my drag because it's just like And then I get it to turn around, and it just bolts back downstream. And then I had to keep tension on the line so the hook didn't come out and not tangle up my reel. All the people there fishing were just like, oh, that's a big fish. It got to the two rivers combined, and everyone just like, don't let it get in that current. It'll be gone. Turned it around, took one more run upstream, jumped. And went in and I lost it at shore. Mm, yeah. That's one you'll never forget, right? We just talked to someone the other day who was going fishing and said, you know, you usually remember the stories of fish that got away versus some of the fish that you actually caught. So that's definitely one of those experiences I think you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Let's pass the mic to Ella May and talk a little bit about some of what you did this summer. In every community, it seemed like we were going to the public library. We were fortunate enough to get a non-resident library card. So, Elabay, can you tell me about some of the libraries that you visited or some of the highlights of the libraries that you visited? 
Well, there's been a lot of libraries, so I don't really remember them all, but one of the best was Homer. It had, like, an entire room that was closed off for the kids to, like, run, and they wouldn't have to, like, deal with the adults who want to have quietness and peace. So we could be um, kids who could um, horseplay on the pillows and the Adults don't have to be like, get off of that. I'm reading. (laughs) Right. You also took a workshop there, right? Oh, yes. I went, I was in one of the groups that did writing a book. And I wrote about a girl who ran away who saved a horse herd. Yeah. That was really fun because I felt like, at our library, we have like that. So I felt like, oh, we, I feel like I'm at home right now. Yeah. And, and I'm in a, like a normal summer. Yeah. And you were in a summer reading program too in Talkeetna. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? The summer reading program was really fun because you, every hour you would get one ticket. Every hour that you read. Yeah. Every hour that you read, you would get a ticket and then you could put it in a jar and then they would draw a jar and whoever put their ticket in there would win the prize that was laid out um, for the in yeah, there's quite a few different prizes. And then some other fun things. I don't know if you remember when we went to like the North Pole or to Fairbanks, we were able to use our library card for museum passes because we used our library card. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, and we went to Cupcake Wars in Fairbanks. That was. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I got to eat my cupcakes. <laughs> yes. And there was lots of toppings. That was really fun. Yeah. All right. Why don't we pass the mic to Micah? All right, Mr. Little Monster, can I talk with you a little bit about ice cream? Tell me a little bit about some of the ice cream stops that you had and maybe one that stands out or a flavor or a spot or something that stands out to you that you really liked. It's a flavor of mine, but I don't even remember it. It's in the top 10 ice creams, but I don't really know the name of it. I don't really know where the place is, so I'm just going to tell a different one. Okay. Do you want to tell about the one in Palmer where we would spin the wheel and get free ice cream for the year? And Oh, yeah. So so we went to this ice cream, and we went there with a family, but we stayed there at their house, but we stayed in their driveway. Well, not in, in their driveway. Yes, we stayed in Palmer at someone's house, essentially. We parked on their cul-de-sac. And we went Big Dippers, and then we went back, and then we went there again. Why did we keep going back, though? What did they have? If you bought a bunch of ice cream, what did you get? For each ice cream you bought, you got a... You got a punch card. And then when you filled the punch card... And then you would spin a wheel. You would spin the wheel, and we got a free pint of ice cream. Yeah, and what was one of the prizes we could win? Do you remember? Mm, ice cream for a year. Yeah, you could get free ice cream for a year. And so we were joking that if we won free ice cream, we would probably have to move there, wouldn't we? And it's been the wheel, but I got a free pint of ice cream, and I got they had this new flavor called s'mores. 
Okay. Well, there you have it. Let's go back to dad for a second. What has been the hardest part of the gap year? Because things don't always go according to plan. Do you want to share one thing that's just been really hard? Probably the hardest thing is the maintenance of everything. Our tow dolly, we just had some stuff go down with that. I mean, the tires on them don't last a long time just because they're a smaller piece. So I'm always kind of checking those and trying to be be mindful of them and stay on top of that. And I think the the biggest one, the hardest one is just the latest one was going down the 15% grade was probably the most problematic that we had when we had the bearing seals go out and had a small little fire that was a little crazy at night was probably the biggest biggest problem that we had to deal with. But for me, that's kind of the bigger thing is just the maintenance of everything and just worrying about, you know, stuff happening because we are on the road and I don't have everything. And if we do break down, you know, we're going to be stuck. So that's always my biggest problem or or fear, if you will, Um, which we've had a few, but nothing's been really, really bad um, that we've been stuck for weeks. But, you know, we've, we've had a couple setbacks where it's been a, a a day or here, there just waiting for parts. So uh, that's kind of the, the bigger pieces for me. Yeah, fair. I mean, you can't predict when things are going to go wrong. And I mean, fortunately, we've landed in some welcoming spaces and it, it's worked out. Caleb, how about for you? What has been the hardest part of this gap year for you? Um, the hardest part has maybe been uh, space sometimes. Like, well, I guess in a house, there's this very nice thing called doors and you can shut them and be alone. But in the RV... My bed is right above the driver's seat and up there, like at night when I'm tired, I close the curtain and there's lights on and it comes through the top. And that was kind of hard to get used to because I can't sleep with like any light in my room. So I had to get over that I first when we started this. And then also, if you're just like sick of the rest of the your space is outside, it's not indoors. It's very limited, kind of, doing, like, homework some-wise if you need internet because you will be driving, and then all of a sudden, it'll just be, like, super slow. The nice thing about RVing is instead of, like, trailering or any other ones is you have space. If you're hungry, you can go get a snack, or if you have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to stop. You can just kind of go. Let's pass it over to LMA. LMA, what has been the hardest part of this gap year for you? Um, Probably like saying goodbye to my friends and like, oh, bye. I won't see you in three months. Bye. When you get back, you're only there for a limited time because like you have plans to meet with someone there somewhere in another state. You have to be there by there because they're making dinner for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We have been traveling very fast. So when we are home, I mean, it's usually only a week at a time. So it's really chaotic. Yeah, it's pretty chaotic when we are home. All right. Let's pass it over to Micah. Micah, what's been the hardest part of this gap year for you? Friends is the most thing, like saying bye for like three weeks or so. Same thing as me. Okay. Last question. If you think about like 10 years from now, you're sitting around a campfire with your friends or we're sitting around a campfire as a family. Is there anything that you'll be like, man, because of that gap year, I did this. So just kind of curious. Do you think 10 years from now, what do you think this gap year will have on your future? Probably moving, moving 
fast. Like, once you get really behind, then you have to, like, you only get to stay one day, move, stay one day, move, stay one day. So do you think you'll travel fast like that in the future? Or do you think you'll travel and stay in one spot for a longer period of time? I think I'd probably stay in a little bit of a longer spot. Okay. Why don't you pass the mic to May? LMA, what do you think? Ten years from now, you're sitting around a campfire, maybe with your friends, or we're sitting together as a family. If I were with my friends, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm taking a trip to, like, Hawaii. Or, like, I... Or, like, I'm going to Canada. I'm actually going to go into a different country. I'm like, oh, cool, I've been to, in, to Canada. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to Jasper and Banff. I could be like, oh, don't go to this part of this city because it's really touristy and there's, like, a whole bunch of people and you won't be able to walk. <laughs> yeah, right? So you're going to have all this insider knowledge of places you've been and places to go. So you can be like a little influencer with your friends, a little travel influencer and tell people yeah. what your experiences have been like. Very cool. Yeah. Let's pass the mic over to Caleb. Uh, let's see. 10 years from now, what would I be thinking? I'd probably be thinking places to go back to and places to say, yeah, I'd been there, did that. I have no desire to go back. <laughs> yeah. Is there a place on your list that you have no desire at this point to go back to? I am not really a city person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have hard times being in bigger cities because there's just too much going on in one place. I can't stand how there's like, for example, when we were in downtown, I think it was downtown New York or New York. Mm -hmm. Their dog parks are the size of a living room. And they're not even grass, even smaller than that. They're just like a gravel pad. And they're just like, yeah, that's the dog park. Like back home, their dog parks is like a giant field mm -hmm. of just grass hills. And it's just kind of fun to like see and do different things, knowing what to do, what not to do. Yeah, just stuff like that. Cool. Let's hand it to dad. Ten years from now, we're sitting around a campfire with our kids, thinking back on this gap year. What do you think this gap year will have in terms of an impact on your future? The impact, I think, is just really just seeing the country and just seeing how diverse. I, you know, I believe just in my own experiences, just going across the lower forty-eight from ultimately kind of coast to coast so far, it is so different. I mean, there's you know, like Caleb brought up the big city living to the Rockies areas out to the the West coast where we are now, there's just such a different way of doing things. I think is a big piece too, you know, as well as when we were in Alaska, I think it's, it's opened their eyes to, you know, how people do things outside of our little city of where we're at, you know, I hope that that brings, you know, light to them as well as experiences of, you know, we did this or, you know, that they can help somebody like LMA brought up to be a little influencer, but, you know, not to talk about, Oh, I've done, been there, done that. But, hey, come, go check this out. And I think that's some of the, the neat things that there's some things that probably people wouldn't think about doing that we could hopefully share with them of of what we've done along our journey. But, you know, I, I think of Kotzebue is another one that pops into my mind of like, wow, things are really different up there. And it was eye-opening to me of how they, they do daily life versus what we do daily life. Mm -hmm. I hope that that's some stuff that we or I – 
have realized and can share and have have made me you know realize some some really cool stuff that we've done and, and what we get to do yeah i'm going to close out here just by saying i think what's been most impactful for me is waking up and being like we did this you know <laughs> like we walked away from a very comfortable life to try this bold audacious thing and it's all going relatively well. I mean, for the most part, there are hard parts to this life. I don't want to pretend like it's easy, but for the most part, there are days where I'm like, gosh, this is exactly what I was hoping for. And I'm just really proud of the fact that we were able to do it. So I'm super grateful that all of you were willing to join us in this journey because we had said at any point, if someone wants to go home, we're, we're, we're up for that. We understand that there's a lot of challenges of being on the road. So I need to say thank you to all of you, though, for sticking with it. We did have a moment where we almost decided we're done and we're going to go home, but um, decided let's let's keep going. Let's keep trying. Let's see if this next couple phases are, are better. So, All right. Well, with that, I can guarantee you that'll never happen again. <laughs> it was quite a process getting everyone engaged, having a conversation, editing it. Sometimes what sounds like a really good idea doesn't actually execute as planned. With that, though, I have five key takeaways. Number one, even though Brent and I have a background in education, our kids naturally think other adults are cooler. So finding ways to support their connection with other adults and facilitating the resources with enough structure to figure things out has been both a blessing and a curse. Number two, each quarter of this gap year feels like a new season that requires a refresh. What worked in January didn't work in July. It's surprising to me how quickly this lifestyle became normal and the novelty and excitement wanes. We really enjoy part-time home visits, meetups with friends and extended family as what we see as refresh times. Number three, it has been really challenging to show up and share this adventure with everyone in real time. Partially because we have so much time off-grid and then coming back feels very overwhelming with both travel and life logistics and sitting down to process and share insights just feels heavy. I've been keeping really good notes and after several requests, I've decided it will be a book, but the adventure is still going, so it will certainly be a project for 2024 and beyond. Number four, reflection and checkpoints on our joy audit have been reinstituted. It's one thing to share about your day and complete our daily checklist. However, reminding ourselves, like, how did that really feel? And what were the resources required to support that collective experience has been really healthy. The Joy Audit tracking form is available for digital download, and you can find that link in the show notes. Just as a guidepost, some of our collective Joy ratings of eight or more actually were less than $100, and they rarely include eating out. Number five. Hosting this podcast and supporting this brand has always been about connection and community. Being on the mic, talking with people ahead of us on this journey, or meeting people on our adventures and sharing the ways that adventure shows up in their life has really been the driving purpose behind Ordinary Sherpa. We've loved meeting up with some of our guests and some of our future guests on this entire lifestyle gap year that we've done. And I think the joy of this work has really been in the connection. So my plan to build this out into a bigger business quickly felt like work. So instead, I'm keeping the mantra, more side, less hustle for Ordinary Sherpa. And yes, that will be an episode in the future. Thank you so much for joining this on this episode. There were a couple of technical glitches. Hopefully you didn't notice them too bad. It's 
fun to be back on the mic. I have 25 episodes planned for you. And because we are taking more extended breaks, I also have planned out time to actually work on the podcast and have quiet time and a lot of the challenges that have come with just the logistics of travel life. So thank you so much for being with us on this journey. If you have any questions, again, I love connecting with listeners. If you want that joy audit, go ahead to the show notes. There's a link in the show notes that you can download it. But again, until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.